Lord said, Why are you persecuting me? So Christ is still on the cross. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You're listening to Behold the Man. With your host, Joe McLean. I know it's worth it. I know I'll try. And even though I'm weak, I'll stand up for what is right. What is right. I'll rally up your army and tell them that we can fight. Hola, buenos dias, que tal? Welcome back to Behold the Man. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be back with you again this week. Proclaim a fast, says the Lord. Call a solemn assembly. Well, it's Lent, and we're in that mode of fasting, of penance, of uniting our heart to Christ, preparing for his passion, his death, and his resurrection, giving up the ways of this world. Why? so that we can look forward to a new and greater world, one far more glorious and profound than this world could ever offer us. But here's the question. Why are we sacrificing? Why are we fasting? To emulate Christ is the answer. And like Christ, who offered himself for us, for his church, for all mankind, and so we must be like him and offer ourselves for someone else. So, it begs the question, who are you offering yourself up for this Lent? That's what's on today's episode of Behold the Man. That intro song is Fight Song by Jacob's Well Experience, and you can find a link to that site on my website, along with the show notes and your homework, all at catholichack.com. I like that fight song. And believe it or not, I think it goes with today's theme because we are fighting as sojourners, as the church militant, as here being here on this earth, on this in this life, having to fight the ways of the culture. 
having to fight the ways of, of Satan and the world, the flesh, which is drawing us out away from our Father, away from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, away from the lover of our souls, the Holy Spirit. And so we must fight, we must stand our ground, and we must call a solemn assembly. We must proclaim a fast and turn our hearts back towards God. Let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All praise and glory and honor be to you, Almighty God, as we humbly come before you. We pray that you will guide us in this season of Lent, that you will help us to rend our hearts and guide us through the process of humiliation and penance, that we might become more like that which we desire, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray for the suffering and the lost in Japan, China, the Middle East, Mexico, South America, Africa, India, the United States, and all the world. For humility this Lent, that we may turn our heart back to God. We pray that we may come to know Him through the new bread of the face of God, the Eucharist. We pray for our clergy, the shepherds. May they grow in holiness and courage, that they may lead us closer to the true shepherd of souls, Jesus Christ. And we ask Our Lady, O Mary conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to Thee. Holy Mary, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Sweetheart of Mary, be my salvation. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Proclaim a fast. Joel chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Quote, Gird on sackcloth, and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in. Pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of God, because cereal offerings and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God, and cry to the Lord. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from the Almighty it comes, unquote. Well, that's a powerful piece of Scripture that we, we meditate upon during the season of Lent. It was proclaimed at Mass a few days ago. Uh, I think it was even uh, part of the Ash Wednesday Mass readings. And, you know, it's very important for us to meditate upon these verses. And there'll be several during the show that I want to draw out for you. Because I want you to see how in fasting and prayer and in penance and in mortifying ourselves, giving up the worldly desires, even the little ones like coffee or sweets, can help us to become more like that which we desire, Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. This particular Lent, I put, a, put together a, a project that I have invited others to join me in. I called it Fasting for Our Shepherds. Fasting for Clergy. You can actually find uh, uh, the link to it at catholichack.com. Just look to the top. You'll see Fasting for Our Shepherds. Just click on that. You'll see that I've called out 38 other people, prayer warriors, to fast and to pray every single day during the season of Lent 
for a list of bishops, priests, deacons, even our Holy Father, the Pope. And so we have over, well over a hundred names on this list. And you can see that list at my website, catholichack.com. And there you will see that we are fasting and praying for these shepherds. We pray that God will increase holiness in their lives. We pray that he will give them courage to lead us, the faithful, to a closer relationship to him. Because during the season of Lent, we emulate Christ our Lord. So whom are you fasting and praying for? And if you're not doing it for someone else, why? We are to be like Christ. We are to unite our sufferings to Christ on the cross because there we find the ultimate meaning of suffering. There we find the ultimate meaning of happiness and purpose in life. Do you lead a purpose-driven life? If so, then you lead a life of the cross. Then you live at Calvary. Then you are centered at the Mass, which is Calvary. Hebrews chapter 12. You have come to the heavenly Mount Zion, the ecclesia of the Lamb of God. That is where heaven and earth collide in the Mass, where you are transported through time at the foot of the cross, not a new passion, death and resurrection, but the one passion, death and resurrection of our Lord, where he pours out his blood as an offering, a libation, and we are to consume him because the, the life of, of any being is in the blood. And when we partake in that blood, that life is now in us. But unlike the blood of animals, which could not bring forth life, the life of God himself taken upon flesh, tabernacling amongst man, has life in him, and we consume him, and now that life lives in us. That's the Mass. That's the season of Lent. That's what we do. When we fast and we pray, we become like him, and we must do it for someone else. So who are you fasting for? Who are you sacrificing for? Who are you mortifying yourself for? If it's for yourself, let me urge you to change your heart and to now fast and pray for someone else for the remainder of Lent. Join me and join the others for fasting for our shepherds that they might lead us to holiness and to heaven. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, quote, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Unquote. What could be lacking except for us? For Christ is perfect and his sacrifice is perfect, but we must unite our sufferings to him on the cross, and then we shall receive the ultimate power of that once-for-all sacrifice. For there we find its true meaning. You know, our first pope, St. Peter, the vicar of Christ, set up by Christ himself to feed his sheep, went into the heart of Rome, to the heart of the beast and the evil empire, where, as we've talked about a few weeks ago, the saints inherited that kingdom as a fulfillment of the Danielic prophecy. 
And there St. Peter writes to us and tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 21, quote, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to the kind and gentle, but also to the overbearing. For one is approved, if, mindful of God, he endures pain while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you do wrong and are beaten for it, you take it patiently? But if when you do right and suffer for it, you take it patiently, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps." Christ is your model, your your example. Follow him this Lent and offer yourself up. In our effort as lay people, in my in my participation in the priesthood, I am not able to 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 consecrate bread and wine into the body, blood and soul and divinity of Jesus Christ on the altar. I have not that charism. I am not ordained. I am not a priest in that manner. But as the domestic priest, I can offer myself up. I can unite my heart to the priest on the altar who does consecrate the host. So I must emulate Christ, and so must you, offering ourselves up for someone else, and do so even at the cost of unjust treatment from others. St. John in his gospel, chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, quote, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you, unquote. Follow Christ. Offer yourself up for someone else, for that will show forth your love more powerfully than any other sentiment that you could express, that you might sacrifice yourself for someone else. Are you in a bad marriage? Is your spouse abusive? Or does your spouse cheat on you? Then sacrifice yourself that God might take your suffering and bestow some extra extra grace and merit upon that person towards their conversion. For you have not a burden but an opportunity to be like Christ, to suffer for uh, an ungrateful spouse. That's what our Lord did on the cross. And that's what you can do this Lent. Do you have a coworker, a boss, a friend, a neighbor, a relative who is just unbearable to deal with? You have an opportunity this Lent to be like Christ. We see, even in the book of Acts, chapter 13, how the disciples, through prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit used, utilized that to call forth evangelizers for the church. Chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, quote, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Unquote. Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 35. Quote, and they said to him, The disciples of John fast often, 
and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours, eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Unquote. Do you not know that through suffering we become like Him? We draw ourselves closer to becoming more like Christ. You know, we live in a world where you hear the message, have a personal relationship to Christ. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your Savior? I hear that all the time. Trust me when I tell you, there is no more personal relationship than eating his body and drinking his blood. But if you want to become more like him, then act like him. Then offer yourself up like him. St. Ignatius of Antioch, a bishop, he was offered up. He wrote seven letters to, on his way to being eaten by wild beasts in the Colosseum in Rome to, his, to the churches in Asia Minor. And in a particular letter, which he wrote in around between 107 and, say, 110 A.D., uh, so very early, this man was a disciple of the Apostle St. John himself. So he, he received the faith from the horse's mouth, let's put it that way. And in the letter to Romans, to the church in, in Rome, he, in chapter 4, he said this, quote, I beseech of you not to show an unreasonable goodwill towards me, Allow me to become food for the wild beasts, through whose instrumentality it will be granted me to attain to God. I am the wheat of God, and let me be ground by the teeth of the wild beasts, that I may be found the pure bread of Christ. Then shall I truly be a disciple of Christ, when the world shall not see so much as my body, Entreat Christ for me, that by these instruments I may be found a sacrifice to God. But when I suffer, I shall be the freed man of Jesus, and shall rise again emancipated in him. And now, being a prisoner, I learn not to desire anything worldly or vain." Unquote. I'll link to that in the show notes on catholichack.com so you can read the entire letter. I've also narrated all seven of these epistles so you can download MP3 versions of all of that and listen to them. I'll link to that as well at catholichack.com. But get the message. St. Ignatius begged the church in Rome who was filled with people who were very prominent in Roman society and could even ransom his freedom could pay to have this man released, but he begged them, do nothing, allow me to suffer at the hands of these beasts. Why? So that I might become like Christ. He felt it was his only chance to truly become like Christ. This man was already a model for all the Christians to follow. This man who said to the letter in, to, the, uh, to the church in Smyrna, where the bishop is, there is the Catholic church. So this man was profound already, and now he gives us a true example of how to become and emulate our Lord and Savior by doing what he did and offering ourselves up for others. This man, St. Ignatius, 
He offered himself up on behalf of his diocese. He begged the emperor to take him and to martyr him and to leave his church alone. And the emperor did it. So this man is like Christ. So, who do you suffer for this Lent? How are you uniting your heart to Christ and preparing yourself for His passion, His death, and His resurrection? Are you prepared to follow Christ as St. Ignatius of Antioch did, as the Christians in Pakistan are, or as the Christians in, in, in Iraq or in Egypt who are truly suffering today, even at the point of being martyred because they refuse to renounce Christ, but instead they become like Christ. Are you prepared to follow that path this Lent, to offer yourself as a sacrifice for someone else? St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 22 through 27, quote, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, he will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, and the glory of the Father, and the glory of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God." The Son of Man, the fulfillment of the prophecies of Daniel chapter 2 and 7 and 9. The message is clear. Verse 23. Where do we take up our cross and follow Him too? We'll back up one verse. To Calvary, to death, resurrection, and new life. What gives new life is the question. Well, new life must come with a new exodus. Therefore, there must be a new manna as food for the journey. Now, we read that just eight days after this episode, that our Lord takes up Peter, James, and John on top of a mountain, and there, in His glory, He lets Peter, James, and John see a peek at His glory, His his resurrection. He glows as bright as the sun, and Moses and Elijah appear, the law and the prophets, pointing to this Messiah, the new and greater Moses, Deuteronomy 18, the new and greater Joshua, who brings about a new exodus. That's the very next verses in Luke's gospel. We read about a new exodus, and therefore we must have a new manna, food for the journey. John chapter 6, verses 48 and following, quote, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man 
and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever." This is the confirmation that when St. Peter proclaims our Lord to be the Messiah, the Christ, that our Lord takes him up eight days later on a Sunday to this mountain for this vision of heaven and earth, the vision of resurrection. And there, Moses and Elijah talk about his new exodus. And that leads us to the understanding of that true bread come down from heaven, the Eucharist, which we consume at Mass, the sneak peek of resurrection glory in St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 28 through 31, giving us the, uh, the, the backdrop and the understanding to, to looking at John chapter 6 in a more profound way. We see both the law and the prophets speaking to Jesus as the, the new Messiah, the greater and more perfect Moses, the prophet who would be among the people, but greater, Deuteronomy 18, as I said before. Like Joshua, who enters into the promised land through the waters of the Jordan, so does our Lord. Through the waters of the Jordan bring about the sacrament of baptism, which we must be born again of water and spirit if we are to enter into the new kingdom, the new promised land, which is heaven itself. He is the servant whose stripes will set us free and heal us, whose bones will not be broken, but whose hands and feet will be pierced, who will be hung on a tree, that when he proclaims that it is finished, it is consummated, that he consumes and finishes the Passover meal and brings about a new Passover, brings about the new bread and wine of the very presence of God, the very face of God in the Eucharist. So we must seek Him to become like Him. We must do that through the sacraments, for that is where we shall find the power and the courage to even begin to offer ourselves up as a sacrifice for someone else. You can't do it without it. This world is very hard even with the sacraments. It's impossible without the sacraments. So draw your heart closer to Christ this Lenten season. Come to Mass. Partake in the heavenly bread, the new face of the presence of God given for you as his love for you. We're going to be talking about that in in an upcoming show as a reflection on Dr. Brant Petrie's new book, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. He dives so deep into this, and I am loving it. You can find a link to how to pick up his book at my website at catholichack.com. But I want to really encourage you 
Who are you fasting for? Who are you praying for this Lent? Are you fasting and praying for those suffering in Japan right now? Or Mexico right now? You know how many people are dying in Mexico at the hands of evilness? Are you praying for them? Are you fasting for them? Are you offering yourself as an expiation to the Holy Spirit, the lover of your soul, that extra graces and merits might be poured out for those suffering most? If not, why? Christ did. St. Ignatius did. St. Peter called you to it. St. Paul called you to it. The Gospels proclaim it. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 and following. Quote, Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and repents of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and repent, and leave a blessing behind him, a cereal offering, and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare thy people, O Lord. And make not thy heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Brothers and sisters in Christ, proclaim a fast and become like Christ this Lent and offer yourselves, lest they say, where is their God? God bless you. From the Catholic Underground. Please